Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. The allure of riding the rails merges with the fun of the season on the Coopersville and Marne pumpkin train. With around 15 million apple trees in the state, Michigan growers are proud to display their many varieties at this time of year. In Charlevoix, apple growers take center stage at the annual Apple Festival in October. And this is a great time of year to enjoy the foods, spirits, boutique shops, and natural beauty of Cadillac. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We get this week to talk to some really great people about some really cool things that I know you're going to want to do this fall and maybe even into a little bit later in the year because there's nothing like traveling in Pure Michigan at this time of the year. I absolutely love it. I know you will as well. So let's get right to it. Let's head to West Michigan to the cute little town of Coopersville. And let's find out what's happening with the Coopersville and Marne train. Yes, they offer train rides from there. And let's bring in Dennis Hart. Dennis, how are you doing? Very well. It sounds like the train has been doing well. I drive by the Coopersville and Marne train because I'm on I-96 a lot. And every so often I see the train go by and I think, boy, that, that looks like so much fun. It looks like people are enjoying the rides. Yes, we are. We uh, we've been doing this for 33 years now. Believe it or not, uh, we we rescued this little uh, piece of track here in West Michigan that was due to be uh, torn out back in 1989. About six uh, rail fans got together and raised uh, raised some money to buy the track, and uh, we started out with uh, one uh, engine and a couple of cars and. Uh, We've been uh, improving our ride ever since. Yeah, it's amazing what can happen when some people of goodwill come together and say, hey, let's not lose our culture. Let's try to hold on to it a little bit and look what you've done. Um, and, and the neat thing about it is you do offer rides at, you know all throughout the year, and that's a cool thing. But occasionally you do some theme rides as well. Let's, let's first talk about the experience of being on the train. You say that you started with um, an, an, a locomotive and yes. a couple of cars. What's the experience like now? Do you have a, a longer train that goes out? What's it like? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun train ride. At, that We only go about 10 miles an hour, uh, so it's kind of like taking a little trip back in time, the way people used to travel around West Michigan, which was on the railroad before the roads became... Uh, predominant and uh you know we just chug through the west michigan countryside between coopersville and marne it's about seven miles takes about 90 minutes for a round trip and you can open the windows and take in the fresh country air look at some country scenery 
And uh, we try to have some entertainment on board uh, to entertain folks. Uh, might be music, might be a little play or skit that uh, people perform. And uh, it's it's a multi-generational train ride. Uh, we like to get grandpa and grandma, mom and dad and the kids out. And there's not too much you can do uh, in the entertainment area that involves all the generations. But uh, people seem to really enjoy it. And... I think we're on our third or fourth generation with some families that come out every year and ride our train. What a neat thought. Um, and and you, you could just imagine what a lot of those kids, uh, the things that are going through their minds. And, I, you know, I kind of wonder if they realize that they're riding on a trail uh, that basically was turned into train track probably in the mid-1800s, right? Correct. Yeah, the, the railroad was originally uh, installed back in uh, 1858, yeah. and it was a line that ran between Detroit and Grand Haven. And the reason they built the line up to Grand Haven is because uh, Chicago was very congested when it came to rail traffic back then. And they would uh, run the train up to Grand Haven, put the cars on a ferry, run across Lake Michigan, and continue on westward. Yeah. So it was a way to get around the uh, Chicago. That's neat that you uh, saved a little bit of it. How, how much of the uh, track do you actually use? Uh, we use seven miles, seven miles between Coopersville and Marm. So you do that seven-mile route, and then you come back. And at this time of year, uh, I suppose you have the pumpkin train going? That's correct. Yeah, it's a, it's one of our uh, earliest and most famous trains and still one of the most popular. Uh, besides the train ride, uh, uh, we have some entertainment on board. It's the Grand Pumpkin and his uh, wacky sidekicks, uh, Scarecrow. Uh, they entertain uh, entertain the kids with some skits and some songs and sing-alongs and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a live entertainment on there. And then when you get back to uh, Coopersville, uh, we have a pumpkin patch back there, and all the kids get to go in and pick out a free pumpkin. Oh, honey. So, yeah. so the experience for the pumpkin train time of the year uh, you say they start in Coopersville. Uh, whereabouts do they go? I, I Obviously, it's going to be along the railroad tracks, but uh, is it um, very obvious once they get off of I-96 at Coopersville? Yeah, there's a couple exits in Coopersville. You can take either one and uh, just head to downtown Coopersville. We're right on the main street down there. It's easy to find. You'll see our train uh, sitting on the tracks there. We have a nice boarding platform. Uh, another thing, if uh, if people uh, would like to stay after the train ride, we try to get the kids up in a cab for a little locomotive mm. tour. Wow, so that's kind of fun. I bet I bet that would be fantastic. How many yeah. times do you go out a day, and do you go out daily? Uh, we just go out on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we have uh, various schedules: uh, three or four trains on uh, Saturday and a couple on Sunday. And our train holds about three hundred people. Uh, so it's it's a pretty popular event. Should people get their tickets in advance, or is it uh, show up and they should they should uh, be able to get on board? Well, I would recommend they try it in advance because uh, this year our trains have been selling out uh, one after the other. It's a uh, it's a very popular train. Uh, we try to keep our prices reasonably so a family can afford to do it, and uh, seems to be very popular. So our trains are selling out. So if they're interested, I suggest they book. Early. Well, I can tell you, every time I have uh, been in the area and I notice everybody kind of mingling around the site, it looks like people have had a great time. So highly recommend you consider it for your family. Here's the website you can go to for more information. It's mitrain.net, mitrain.net. Go to the website for more information. And I want to thank Dennis Hart 
I want to the board members from the Coopersville and Marne train for being with us today. We're going to talk about apples. It's a huge crop for Michigan that's coming up next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. If you listen to this program often, you've probably heard me say that Michigan is the state with the second most diverse agricultural industry in the country, and we're really proud of that. California, of course, is a lot bigger state, so they're a little more um, uh, diverse when it comes to their agriculture production, but we are very proud of what we do here as well. Uh, you know, last week I know we talked to Trevor DeCotch in Traverse City, and and they're really proud of their cherry production. You look at places like Oceana County in West Michigan that's really proud of asparagus, and the Grand Haven area is happy about blueberries, and then there are strawberries, and there are there's potatoes, and there's you know beets. It just kind of goes on and on and on. It's pretty amazing, especially when you add things like Christmas trees, because it's not just in the traditional harvest season that we produce so much. Now, after saying all that, I get to say our biggest crop is one that uh, I'm sure you're very aware of, at least the product itself. We're going to talk about that next by bringing in Diane Smith. She is the executive director of the Michigan Apple Committee. How are you, Diane? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, isn't it interesting, uh, as big of an a agricultural state as Michigan is, and considering how much production is out there, how many jobs are a part of agriculture, the financial impact, the, the number of products that are out there in agriculture, that the number one product for us is apples. Yeah, I mean, apples have such a huge tie to the entire state and the trickle-down effect from that, I mean, down to even just local schools, um, is quite amazing. Well, I've heard over the years that um, a company like McDonald's, for instance, goes to Michigan for uh, their apples, for their apple pies. Is that true? That is true. They also go to us for the apple slices and the Happy Meals. Oh, so very nice. Those are from Michigan. Oh, that's nice. Well, when you think about it that way, a company as big as McDonald's, it's kind of nice that they, they come to us. So, so tell us about the apple industry here. Uh, how do things seem to be going? Things are going perfect this fall. Um, I will say we've had a great year for growing apples, and because of that, we have a near-record crop. We don't think it's a record yet, but, you know, you never know what might happen. Um, but, you know, we had, we're the we're the only people probably in the state that like the slow warm-up in the spring. Uh-huh. Um, everybody's usually ready for the warmer weather, um, and we like it to warm up slowly so that we can get to the bloom time and not have any freezes, and um, and then it warms up enough so that the bees can do their job, um, and we can get through the summer with, you know, some good rain, those cool nights and warm days that we have here in the state, and it creates those flavorful apples, and harvest has started about two weeks ago, so uh, we're getting into the thick of it now. Yeah, I was going to ask you why you thought that we were either at record or near record crop level. Um, and I'll tell you, the, the folks in the Upper Peninsula, they did not like that slow warm-up for summer because it seemed like the really warm part of summer didn't get to the Upper Peninsula until really late in the season. But uh, sounds like it worked for the apple crop. 
It really did. It really did. And, you know, our growers coming off a small crop because of weather issues, we're always at the, you know, the mercy of Mother Nature. So um, to have that slow warm up was really fantastic for us this year. Why is it, do you think, that, that Michigan became a state with about 15 million apple trees in it? You know, I, I'm i not quite sure. I mean, we have some really good climate here, of course, and for growing apples. Um, the other part of it is really, you know, kind of the Great Lakes that really tempers a lot of weather that we, um, you know, that we would experience otherwise. Um, and, you know, we also have really good soil. Uh, so a majority of our production is really done on a, a region of the state called the Ridge, which is just kind of north of Grand Rapids. Um, and I would say about 70% of our production is right there. Wow, and that's Sparta area. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. So are most of the apple farms in Michigan kind of family farms, or are they kind of turning into these big, you know, industrial-type size farms? No. Uh, we, you know, our, uh, we're all family-run farms. And in a lot of cases, we have the seventh and eighth generation hitting on some of these farms. So um, we're seeing a really, you know, large influx of the younger generation coming up and taking over um, the farm, which we're really happy to see because, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we weren't quite sure um, how that would play out. So, um, yeah, we're family-run farms here in the state. We don't have any corporate investors or anything like that going on that you hear about maybe happening in other parts of the country. All right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like um, things are going well for the for the industry this year. Really happy to hear that, um, because for us as consumers, the more product, uh, maybe that brings down the price a little bit. We'll see with all these other uh, challenges of cost increases. Let's hope we can uh, enjoy our apples this year without incredible increases in cost that we see in everything else. So tell us how we can get to the apple crop. Um, how can we find places for you picks? Where do we find farmers markets, for instance, to find the freshest and uh, biggest varieties of apples? Well, I think one of the biggest things here, you can go to our website, michiganapples.com, and we have a section called Where to Find. Um, and that gives you kind of a, you know, an overview of all the farm markets, on-farm markets, and cider mills that you can find, which is, you know, I think you'll agree, part of our heritage here in the state. Um, when fall hits, we're ready for, you know, while the rest of the world might be ready for pumpkin spice lattes, <laughs> we're ready for apple cider, you know, donuts and apples and you pick um, and having that kind of agritourism component now to a lot of our farm markets um, is really really helpful in letting consumers you know kind of learn where their food comes from and being you know being right there on the orchard and learning more about it i love the fact that uh, growers have learned how to turn what was for a long time i bet um, you know just the kind of the production uh, part of their farms. They've turned them into entertainment venues with all the various things you can see and do as part of, of that visit. Yeah, for sure. We have, you know, there's stuff for the kids. There's, you know, live music. Um, a lot of them have, you know, special themed, um, you know, desserts and different things that are happening at different times of the season. Um, it's really, it's quite amazing, um, the creativity that's come out of that industry, that part of our industry, you know, just to to get out there and bring consumers in and let them, you know, let them learn more about apple production, but also a lot about, you know, what it is like to be on a farm. 
Well, it's good for young people to understand this is where food comes from. It doesn't just come from the, the stores, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy going to uh, uh, the uh, various farms that have cider and donuts and all that. But the cider industry, you know, alcoholic cider, that seems to be really growing in Michigan. It really is. Um, the hard cider operations here in the state do an amazing job. Um, I've sampled almost all of them, so I can, you know, I can attest to that. Hmm. Um, they do a really great job, and they have a really good, you know, formula using Michigan apples. Um, we even have a lot of growers that grow specific varieties for different hard cider operations in the state. Um, and then we even have some hard cider operations that are right on the farm. So um, it's a good mix of, you know, private industry and uh, the apple industry working together to kind of uh, create this flavorful, you know, alcoholic beverage that everybody can enjoy. Seems like when Honeycrisp started to come out, that was the most popular apple, at least for a little while. Um, what's the case these days? Are we still talking about, um, you know, the uh, the Honeycrisp about as being the, the most favorite, or is there a new uh, variety out there? Yeah, so Honeycrisp, does get a lot of attention, um, and she's very popular and a bit of a diva. Um, we we love her, but, you know, we do have some great newer varieties that are coming into play here in the state. One in particular is um, called an Evercrisp. Uh, oh. That is a cross between a Honeycrisp and a Fuji, so it gets those great attributes from both of those varieties. Hmm. Um, and it's it's quite amazing, and it comes out of storage, you know, maybe in the winter time, even better than it did going in. So, um, I do encourage everybody if you can, you know, if you find those, definitely give them a try and see what you think. Ever crisp, I'll I'll check it out. And, and the nice thing is, from your website, we can learn about that. We can find the various farms we can visit as well. So that's Michigan Apples. Com. And our thanks to Diane Smith from the Michigan Apple Committee for being with us today. We're going to continue talking about apples in Charlevoix, the big festival coming up here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. I really, you know, it's funny. I've turned into a real Apple fan. And just thinking about our conversation with Diane earlier got me thinking about the fact that fresh apples are out. I am really excited about that. You know, the apples I've been eating are basically from last year's crop. And I'm a little surprised that they've been as good as they have been. But I'm really looking forward to that fresh, crisp taste that you can have in places like Charlevoix. We're going to head to Charlevoix now to talk to Amanda Wilkin. She is the executive director of the Charlevoix Convention Visitors Bureau. How are you, Amanda? I'm wonderful, Dave. Thanks so much. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm looking forward to your uh, Apple Festival that's coming up next month. I know that uh, you always uh, have a great deal of fun up there, and Apples are a big part of uh, the agricultural community there in Charlevoix, right? They most certainly are, yes. Apples are all the rage in Charlevoix, and um, so many different varieties we have in this area. Um, and, and a long span of time um, for apples, too. They, you know, there's the different varieties go throughout the entire fall season. So, um, yes, 
we we love apples in this area. Well, we should probably get to your apple festival right away since I kind of teased it going into uh, the uh, the conversation. The Charlevoix Apple Festival is coming up next month, the 14th through the 16th of October. Tell us about that. Yes, it is by far, don't tell anybody this, um, but it is my favorite Charlevoix event. <laughs> um, and many locals will say the same thing. We mm. love Charlevoix Apple Fest. Um, it is like a hometown, it's, it's the hometown festival that everyone loves. It feels like a little homecoming in Charlevoix. Um, so this is the 43rd wow. Apple Festival. It's been going on for 43 years, yes. Wow. Um, and it's always the second full weekend, including Friday, second full weekend of October. Um, so you can plan ahead for years to come. But it is Friday and Saturday from 10 to 6, and Sunday from 10 to 4. And every year, uh, we there is a art and craft festival. So um, all through East Park, um, there's tents with um, artists and crafters, um, all their uh, having all their wares in, in the park. And then also um, on Saturday and Sunday, there are kids' activities. Uh, so petting farm, um, you know, pumpkin painting, all kinds of fun stuff for the kids to do. A live music in downtown in the streets. Uh, so it's really a... Um, a big scale event, but a small town atmosphere. It is It is just a fantastic event, that's and a, I recommend everyone coming yeah, to it. That's a nice way to describe it, because I was thinking about, it was either last year, maybe it was a couple of years ago, I happened to stop by, didn't even know it was Apple Festival time, but I uh, was able to get a parking space right there in downtown next to the, kind of that park at the marina, and saw all this stuff happening. And so just stopped by and just... Took, in, took it in a little bit and really enjoyed myself. So is that where everything's happening again this year, right down there in that park, right in downtown? Yes, right downtown Charlevoix. So you can, um, you know, you can do a few things at once. You, know, you can enjoy the Apple Festival. You can go out to eat. You can do some shopping downtown. Um, so all the shops and restaurants are open, and um, some of them even have special Apple things going on, like Apple cocktails and mm, such. Yeah. So, it's just a it's a, just a celebration of the apple. It's a great time. <laughs> well, we'll we'll look forward to that. So that's October fourteenth through the sixteenth in uh, downtown Charlevoix and at Frisky's just uh, down the road. But you know the thing is, a visit to Charlevoix at any time of the year is going to be an enjoyable time. This time of the year, uh, I, I would bet that uh, it might be one of your more popular times for visits. It is. We find um, we find lots of visitors coming. For the fall season uh, to do the fall color tours um, and just enjoy um, the more relaxed atmosphere that the fall season brings here in the area it's a little more calm a little less busy um, so it's it's really enjoyable and uh, it's still absolutely beautiful maybe even more beautiful than the summer season yeah the fall color changes. and maybe more comfortable to to wander around and and just kind of enjoy the the atmosphere yeah. Uh, you have yeah. a, a bascule bridge there in Charlevoix. Most people describe them as a lift bridge, but I think that's technically a bascule bridge. And that kind of slows traffic down somewhat. What I found is it, it allows people to be parked there as they're in the downtown area with opportunities to kind of look around. And I wonder sometimes if that brings people back. Very possible. Um, so, 
some people would consider it possibly an annoyance, but yeah. we look at <laughs> <Yeah>. it as, <laughs> like you said, we look at it as an, an opportunity. So it does stop folks in downtown. Um, you know, sometimes they decide to you know, get off the beaten path and park in a parking lot and um, enjoy uh, rather than being stuck in the car. You know, they stop and get out and enjoy the shops and dining available downtown and just the beautiful views of the harbor and marina area. Um, but yeah, the, the drawbridge in the summertime, it does go up every half hour when boats want to go through. So, um, it, it does back up traffic a little bit, but you know, it, it is a great opportunity to see our community. Um, so if you're just going through Charlevoix, it is definitely the wrong, um, the wrong attitude. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. And well, we, we find it a little annoying if, if, if there's a lot of traffic. Well, one of the reasons that bridge would be opening is that there's a boat going by, of course, sometimes sailboats, but occasionally, what's the name of that boat that goes to Beaver Island? Uh, there's two. There's um, the Beaver Islander, and there's also the Emerald Isle. Um, so they are large boats, and, and they go through, and they often get the most uh, the most fanfare Um Lots of people wave as those boats go through, and there's lots of you know passengers on those boats that wave to the people on the land. So it's a lot of fun to watch them go through. Well, the folks going to Beaver Island, I would suspect they probably stay a day or two in Charlevoix, either before or after, and then, then head to Beaver Island. Uh, and, it, and it seems like you have a really good relationship with Beaver Island. Yes. We love Beaver Island. Um, we we have a very symbiotic relationship with with Beaver Island and Charlevoix. Um, we love having the there's two um, two different uh, airlines that fly over to Beaver Island from Charlevoix Airport. Um, so that's a great economic boost. And and also the Beaver Island Boat Company takes thousands and thousands of passengers each year over to Beaver Island. So. They have to stop here in Charlevoix in order to get to Beaver Island. Um, so we we really appreciate Beaver Island and um, we love it over there. And and they you know are able to get their services here in Charlevoix, their mainland services. So um, it works out really well, and and we have great relationship with them. Well, I'll be doing both of those things very soon, and I'm looking forward to it. And so I've been telling my wife and our friends about a downtown Charlevoix as part of that overall experience really being worthwhile of wandering through, checking out the galleries, the restaurants. Tell us about uh, some of the details of, of that uh, downtown experience in Charlevoix. Yeah, downtown, it's it's very charming. Um, it's very um, small town, um, very friendly. Everyone's very friendly, um, and it's beautiful. So it is set on the water, um, set on the water of Round Lake, the Pine River Channel, Lake Michigan, um, and you can see Lake Charlevoix off in the distance beyond Round Lake. So surrounded by water, absolutely beautiful. Everything um, nods to the water. So there's a view in every way you look. Uh, and it's it's quite beautiful. And, um, yes, you can eat and shop overlooking the water. It's just really a great atmosphere year-round, um, really, to enjoy those views and the beauty of Charlevoix the Beautiful. Right off the downtown area, um, you know, we've got our public library, which is um, the best library in Michigan. Um, I, I w- I'm willing to bet some money on that. Um, <laughs> it is it is the best library, and it's walkable from downtown, as well as the Early Young Mushroom Houses, um, the Historical Society, the Circle of Arts. So there's so many different organizations and um, beautiful places to go and experience um, the cultural aspect of Charlevoix as well. 
Is there still a tour offered for the Earl Young Homes? Yes, and it is fantastic. If you have not been on the guided tour of the Mushroom Houses, um, you have to come back to Charlottesville and do it. It is just fantastic. Um, you, you ride in a gem car, and um, the tour guides take you around to all of the Earl Young Mushroom Houses and explain each one and what was going on historically at the time it was built and what was going on in Earl Young's life at the time as well. So uh, it's very, very interesting if you have any interest in the mushroom houses. If you don't have any interest and you just want to see them and and get an Instagram moment um, in front of the mushroom houses, we also have a self-guided tour map in our office. Yeah, it's it's quite a place and quite an experience wherever you are along that, uh, what we like to call the Gold Coast of Michigan, anywhere between Traverse City and all the way up to Mackinac City. But Charlevoix truly is uh, accurately described as Charlevoix the Beautiful, a place that you need to check out, and you should this fall, maybe for the Apple Festival coming up October uh, 14th through the 16th. So for information, go to the website, visit charlevoix.com, and that's C-H-A-R-L-E-V-O-I-X, as in Charlevoix. Our thanks to Amanda Wilkin for being with us today. And we're going to head to Cadillac next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We're going to stay up in the uh, northwest part of the Lower Peninsula. We talked to a bunch of people from the northwest part of the Lower Peninsula today, uh, just merely by chance. But I have to tell you, it is a great place to go, especially at this time of year. I love that area in fall. I know you will as well. And let's head to another community in that region, the uh, cute little town of Cadillac. Cadillac between the lakes, I guess you could call it. Let's bring in Kathy Marin. She is the executive director of the Cadillac Convention Visitors Bureau. Kathy, good to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, what are those two lakes there, right right, basically in downtown Cadillac? Yeah, we have Lake Mitchell and Lake Cadillac, and actually Lake Cadillac is all within the city limits of Cadillac. Oh, so, really? Um, yeah, both really um, all sports lakes, and uh, Lake Cadillac is a little more of the residential, uh, while Lake Mitchell is a little more of the, the second homes and cottages, but um, both really great lakes for fishing and, and all kinds of um, four seasons of sports. Well, it's interesting you say four seasons, because I don't think there's been a time I've traveled there, and you kind of drive between those lakes, where I have haven't seen an angler, either, you know, an ice fisherman in the wintertime or somebody, you know, in a boat or just fishing from the side or whatever. There's always somebody fishing there. It must be great uh, fishing for everybody who does does uh, enjoy that area. Yeah, yeah, they've had, you know, tournaments and those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, and it's it's just different, um, you know, different types of fish for the two different lakes. And then we, of course, have the canal that connects the two um, right next to Mitchell State Park. And so it was a man-made canal um, so that, you know, people can and literally, you know, go right between the two lakes um, through via a canal, um, a short canal to um, to go from one to another. So it's it's kind of a cool setup, yeah. 
It really is. Well, it's such a beautiful region. I know that you are um, pretty high up there elevation-wise. So in the wintertime, uh, you do have great ice fishing and a lot of snow for snowmobiling and all that. But at this time of the year, I'm just wondering, when do you generally really start to see the fall color change? Is it about now or is it later into October? When do you generally see that? Yeah, usually it's it's towards the end of the month and a little bit into October. Um, you know, it's we've had some that are peaking, uh, some you know colors that are peaking a little bit sooner, um, which I'm not ready for that hmm. yet. Um, but you know, it's it's always hard to tell. It, you know, it is weather dependent. Sometimes you know you get beautiful colors, and then other times, um, you know, maybe it might rain <laughs> and dampen things up a bit. Um, but usually it's it's the first couple weeks of October, um, and I you know I surely wish that we had that the, you know the magic map because i know that that circulates a lot of the estimates and those kinds of things but um you know we really look at probably about the second week of october is really being the peak well the neat thing is if you go there you know a little bit earlier than what's expected and see what it looks like and then maybe come back a few weeks later get a different a different view and the thing about cadillac is there are a couple of ways you can really enjoy fall color touring you can drive around plenty of you know, places that offer really great vantage points and, and viewpoints. But I like the idea of biking around as well. And, and I know you have a, a bike trail that people can enjoy. Yeah, yeah. One Well, we have several, but one of them, um, and we're actually just really excited to have a ribbon cutting coming up at um, the end of September, is the White Pine Trailhead. And that is um, the linear state park that runs from Cadillac down to the Rockford, you know, Cedar Springs area. So it's 92 miles. Um, a lot of it is paved. So that's you know, a really fantastic way for people to get out and just kind of see that. But then also the other ones that are a bit more out in into the woods, so to speak, um, you know, the Cadillac Pathway or, um, you know, out towards the Pine River and the Manistee National Forest and, and that. So it depends on the, the type of terrain. You know, some people like the flat concrete, while others like to get um, a little more gritty, maybe with mountain bikes and those kinds of things. Yeah. Is the uh, is the forest there, is that open to ORVs and, and, and mountain bikes? type uh, experiences? Yeah, it is open to um, motorized and non-motorized. So um, it does get a little more complex in our area because we do have state and federal land, while many places might only have state land. Um, but as of uh, October last year, um, the U.S. Forest Service opened up um, some of the roads to OHVs, um, which are also, you know, also known as ORVs, um, depending on the, the language you're speaking, whether it's state or federal. Um, and so, yeah, we're really actually working as a visitor's bureau. That's, that's a project that we were working on and engaging stakeholders to coordinate some of those, um, you know, some of the messaging and some of the mapping and the routes and getting some messaging and marketing out to have a better user experience. Because, you know, sometimes, yeah, people, they want to do the right thing, you know, generally, um, but they might not realize when they cross over, um, you know, to maybe a different county or, uh, you know, the state oh, land yeah. versus the federal land. So it gets a little complicated. Um, but, you know, we're working with um, a very active and engaged group of stakeholders to um, get some coordination and, and marketing there. Um, but, yeah, it's it just it really depends on the type of user experience. But um, it's it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we, we were out um, kind of, you know, you want to call it market research. We were out on side-by-sides um, earlier, and uh, like last week, and then um, out in a Jeep. And so um, that's, that's a really fun <laughs> 
<laughs> that's really fun. So um, we'll have to get you up and out there sometime. But um, it's just it's a really cool vantage point to see um, to see you know things from various perspectives, whether it's a bicycle or it's walking or it's you know on a side by side, you know, going through the woods. Yeah, I've actually done ORVs in that area uh, years ago. It, it was a blast. Hey, is the Pine River there? Would you dis- describe that more as a canoe river or a kayak river? And then, you know, what's most popular in, in your area? Um, you know, I know people, they both kayak and canoe, and there's also um, winter rafting, um, and then also, you know, the, the inner tubes that people float down. So um, I've been told that, you know, that people view the pine as a little more challenging than the manistee um, as just far as, um, you know, how fast it moves and, and some of the, um, you know, the elements and things like that. So I don't know, there's, there's a whole lot of... Um, all of it, you know, a lot of canoes and kayaks. Um, and, you know, like I said, that with a raft in, you know, that they do, um, Pine River Paddle Sports does the rafting in the winter, which is really cool. And they're also looking at doing some fall color, um, you know, trips and things like that, too. So it's, it really, it just depends, I think, on personal preference. But um, I know that there's, um, you know, a lot of people that, you know, have their, their choice of, of, you know, whether it's a raft or a canoe or a kayak, and they get out there in, um, you know, four seasons. Yeah, well, whether you're a, a, a canoeist, a, a, a kayaker, or a, a biker, there are so many really beautiful things to see in your area. I, I love them. I love them all. You know, we were talking to uh, Amanda over in Charlevoix earlier on the program, and she was telling us about the apple crop there. It reminds me, uh, I know you have a corn maze there, um, and I think I heard they have the Pure Michigan logo uh, in that corn maze this year. They do. Um, it's out at McBain, which is not too far from here. It's the Dick Family Farm. And they just started up a few years ago doing you know, corn mazes in the petting zoo and, and cider and donuts and that kind of thing. And, yeah, this year they have a Pure Michigan corn maze um, with the design of, you know, Michigan and the logo. And it's it's really cool. Um, it, it'll open up uh, pretty soon here. And so we're excited to get out and take a look at that. Um, but then we also have, I mean, so much agritourism. So, you know, yeah, up in the Charlevoix area, there's a lot more of the apples. Um, around here, there's there's seems to be an unusual amount of goats, <laughs> wow. like goat farms, yeah. but like creameries and, and that kind of thing with um, you know goats, uh, a lot of um, like alpaca and lavender and you know those kinds of things as well as the traditional you know pumpkin patch types of places with um, you know with the petting zoos and, and those kinds of things. So well, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to get out and see all of these different things in our area. It really is. Well, it's such an interesting area. Uh, when you go to Cadillac, you might be thinking about hunting and fishing in your mind. But then when you get there, you find, you know, little boutique shops, really nice restaurants, friendly people, a great variety of things to see and do. So you should go to the website, make sure to check out the Craft Beer Festival that's coming back again this year on the 24th. So that's only a little over a week away. And then make sure to do your research. It's CadillacMichigan.com. And then go and have a great deal of fun. It really is a great place. I love it. Look for black bear as well. You might find them running through the woods. Thanks to Kathy Marin, the executive director from the Cadillac CVB, for being with us today. I really appreciate it. And that's all the time we have for Travel Michigan for this week. So we'll talk to you next week here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.